Well, good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, open up to uh, Psalm 80. Um, we've been going through the Psalms, and uh, it kind of made a, a little switch this week. And it was, it was actually kind of funny because I was, those of you who know me know that I try to plan out four, six, nine months out in advance. And I had sent David some updated things all the way through Christmas. And he replied in the email just saying, thank you. I really appreciate how you, you know, pr- prepare out there. And then at staff meeting, I'm like, by the way, I'm changing my, my text for this Sunday. Um, and part of it is we're in this, uh, this season where last year we had this assessment and we've been talking about this assessment. And I feel like I live in this, uh, this catch all the time of those, who, okay, we've done the assessment, what are we going to do? And those of, uh, we've done the assessment, oh no, what are we going to do? And when are we going to do it? And how fast and how well? And I just had all these conversations this week about things that we're trying to work on and change. And, and I, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, Rich got the blunt of it. And I just went in and I said, I kind of break ministry up into two categories, the trellis and the vine. Like the trellis is the thing that it's the structure and, and the things that holds in the vine is the growth and the discipleship. And, and I just, I, I said to Rich, I said, I'm tired of talking about the trellis. I said, I'm just tired of it. And so, you know, we're in this season of change. And, and people, when we say it, people say, I don't like change. And then I was thinking about how funny that statement is. So about a week and a half ago, two weeks now, my oldest daughter, JM, got engaged. And uh, yeah, we're really excited about that. That's change. We celebrate it. And those of you who know my daughters, I have three daughters, and I had two that got married before they were 21, and JM, who we just, we didn't know if we were going to get her to say Yes. And so, you know, it was this, this change is something that we often celebrate. And so as I was thinking about change, uh, I thought of one of my favorite comics. I remember back, used to love to read Calvin and Hobbes. And so I want to share this uh, Calvin and Hobbes comic with you this morning. Calvin and Hobbes are out in a different season here, obviously. They are doing some sledding. And uh, Calvin says, let's try this path over here. Hobbes, I don't see a path. Now, depending on how you view change, that might determine how you read that. Like, let's make a, you know, there's a path over here. Hobbes can be like, uh, fear, I don't see a path. Or excitement, I don't see a path. Slide two, we'll make a path. Oh boy. Again, depends on your view of change, how you might read that. Calvin says, change is invigorating. If you don't accept new challenges, you become complacent and lazy. Your life atrophies. New experiences lead to new questions and new solutions. Change forces us to experiment and adopt. That's how we learn and grow. Now, before we look at the ending of this, I certainly don't know the background of this, but I kind of pictured the author, Bill Watterson, in some sort of corporate change meeting that he was forced to go to, you know, maybe at one of the big newspapers. And they were saying all this sounds like something they say in one of those things when they're about to cut half the workforce, right? It sounds like one of those changes that the the leaders think is good, but the people don't. And so the next slide is they are falling off the cliff. Whoops. Well, here's a fresh challenge. Hobbes, I'll admit it opened up new horizons. 
Hobbes buried in the snow. The problem with new experience is that they're so rarely the ones you choose. (laughs) Ah, yes, yeah, Calvin, I, I feel smarter already. You know, maybe that's how you feel about all this changes. They're certainly not the ones that we choose. And so I want to look at change this morning from a biblical perspective, and I want to talk about, very honestly, about some of the changes that we are making around here. So, Psalm 80. To the choir master, according to the lilies, um, a psalm. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, You who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contentment for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out, into, uh, it sent out its branches to the sea and it shoots to the river. When then, why then have you broken down its walls so that all the people who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it and all, the, and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see, have regard for this vine. The stock that your right hand planted and for the son who made it strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we, will, then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Now, as we were reading that, some of you might be saying, how is this a psalm of change? Uh, Come on, Dave. Uh, Let me just, three ways that this is a psalm of change. Okay, first of all, it's a prayer for change. There's a repeating chorus three times uh, in verse three and uh, verse seven, and then the last verse 19, that is saying, restore us, O God. So asking God to put them back into a different situation. So it's a prayer for a change. Uh, second, um, this is a prayer for restoration. Uh, most scholars would agree that it was a, uh, a late part of the, uh, right before the Assyrian army takes out Israel. In other words, uh, it's a prayer for God to save before the nation is divided. And obviously, God didn't answer that prayer. Um, So it is a prayer that is right on the cusp of a change that happens in Israel that is forever. Uh, Some of the clues to that are are the prayer for restoration. 
Uh, and in verse 2, Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, those are all cities in the north. And so it seems like before that change happens. The third way that this is a, a psalm of change is as we look at verses 9 and following, we see the story of Israel, how God took them out of Egypt, planted them in the land, how they grew, and now how they're at a point where they're going to be destroyed. There's a lot of change in this psalm. And the reality is change is an opportunity to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to look at three things. The reality of change, uh, the responsibility of change, especially difficult change, and then the relationship that changes everything. First of all, the reality of change. Here's the truth. Change is natural. And let me just think of a few different ways where change is natural. Uh, one uh, is this seasons. I mean, we're at this end of summer heading into the fall, and you can, you can almost begin to feel it. You can see it. Some of you are counting down the days to your pumpkin latte. And we start looking, we look forward for that change. And, you know, it's really funny because you, when it was springtime, I just couldn't wait for summer to come. And then you get towards the end of the summer and you go, I can't wait for fall. Now, I don't really ever long for winter, but that season comes as well. When we lived up in the, the mountains of McCall, uh, we had five seasons in McCall. We had, uh, we had spring and then summer and then winter and then we had mud season. Uh, and then like a flower would sprout and it was summer. That was kind of our, our five seasons. But change, change is natural. We age. And it's funny that, you know, uh, we have birthdays and we celebrate those things. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a celebration of, yay, we're, we're so excited that you're getting older. And then th th as we get older, then it's like, oh, I'm amazed that you're still having birthdays. But that we, there's natural change with, with that, uh, with the birthdays and, and relationships. You know, for us, celebrating JM's engagement, that's a change in the relationship. And we celebrate that. So that's the second point, is that oftentimes, change is celebrated. It doesn't just happen, we actually celebrate it. Oh, I forgot this is, I forgot this. Did you guys see this going around? This was a, mom took a before and after picture of her daughter's first day of school. That's what change does to you right there. And the funny, the mom said, what happened at school today? And she, she just, wow, I just played with my friends, right? <laughs> she, really, she really had a first. But it's celebrated. We, we celebrate. You know, we have a lot of, uh, I have friends on Facebook that are, live in different states, and a lot of kids are going back to school uh, already. And you have those first day of school pictures and, and, you know, first day of first grade, first grade of this, and you're celebrating it. Again, we celebrate the birthdays, we celebrate the promotions, we celebrate retirement. There's all sorts of changes that we actually celebrate. So change is natural, okay? Change is uh, celebrated. And third, oftentimes, and I would say more times than not, change is divine. What do I mean by that? Well, in the text here, we see some changes that are happening. It can be, div uh, it can be div divine salvation, uh, that's the prayer, uh, uh, restore us, save us. In verse 8, he says, you brought a vine out of Egypt. What's he talking about? He's talking about God's deliverance out of, yeah, let's go the other direction. Keep going. No one more? Oh, no, we're in a, we're in a, there, keep, one more? We're stuck somewhere. All right, just listen. 
Um, <laughs> it can be divine salvation. The story there, God bringing his people out of Egypt, that was God's divine salvation. Look at verse 9. He says, you cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. You cleared the ground. Sometimes it's about divine preparation. There's times when God in change is preparing you for something else. It's called transition. Sometimes God is working in you for something that he's about to do through you or in you. Now, when we are going through, most of the times, divine preparation, we don't usually celebrate that. Okay, when we think of divine preparation, what we think of is the desert, the 40 years, the testing, those times that are preparing God's people for the next thing. But it is part of change. It can also be divine blessing. Verse 10, the mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. What is he talking about? The vine grew and it was blessed and it was growing to where it was blessing other people. Man, those are the type of things, that's the changes that we want. We pray for those things. Those times of where God is just pouring out in you and you're going, man, I just feel blessed. And that's amazing. Those are good times of change. But the time of, of praying for God to restore them, to save them from the Assyrian army, brings us to verse 12. It says, why then have you broken down its walls? There often is times of divine retribution, discipline, moments where God says, no, this isn't good. And that's, that's the context of this psalm. So the reality of change is that it's natural, it's celebrated, and it can oftentimes be divine. And so if there is change coming, and even difficult changes in our life, what do we do with it? Well, first of all, we pray. Now, I don't mean that in a trite way, but this entire psalm is a prayer in the midst of change. That's what we do. Sometimes that change just brings us to our knees. Sometimes it's a prayer of thanksgiving, but we take these moments to pray. What do we pray for? Well, going back through that again, we pray for salvation. Whose salvation are you praying that God would bring them out of their captivity of Egypt? Or maybe you, are you praying that God would save you, bring you out of some addiction or problem or being away from God? So it's okay to pray for God's salvation. Second, we pray for God's restoration. I love this psalm. It's one of my favorites. Restore us. Three times that chorus is repeated. Restore us. Restore us. We're going to talk a little bit more about that word in a little bit, but maybe you're here this morning and that's your prayer. You're praying, God, I, I knew you before, but I, I need that relationship to be restored, to be healed, to be brought back up. So we pray for God to restore us. Again, three times here, praise for God's blessing. Maybe you don't quite see it in there. Let me show it to you in verses the repeating chorus, uh, 3, 7, and 19 says, Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. The writer here takes a part 
from the blessing uh, from Numbers and, and it repeats it. Maybe you remember the, the prayer that Moses taught Aaron to bless the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his, the Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So he takes a line from that prayer of blessing and, and he's, he's, he's claiming it in a way of saying, wait a second, Lord, this was, this was a blessing that was upon us and now we're in this time of broken down walls. We're remembering this. Maybe we just need to, to pray for life. Look at verse 18. We're gonna come back to it later, but he says, then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life. What an interesting prayer. God, give us life. So we pray. Second, it's our responsibility to actually change. If change is natural and sometimes it's divine, then, then what change is God asking us to be a part of? What change is he asking from us? And so again, as we look through that story of Israel, the vine is planted. God takes this vine out of captivity, he brings them out into uh, the wilderness, and then plants them in the promised land. Now, that's a really beautiful picture of it, but we know the story. That was not a great planting process. Remember, Israel crosses over, they instantly start complaining, They're hungry, they want water, they want meat. Um, all these, they don't like the leadership. And, and it's amazing how they come through that process and God needs to get still the old rocks and weeds and junk from Egypt out of their life. There's a deliverance process that happens in Egypt. You're in captivity. You pray for deliverance. Things get worse before they get better. God goes to war against all the gods in your life. We have the Passover, and then we have this new training ground before we get to the promised land. And so that divinely planted is a big piece of what's going on there. When it's planted, the vine grows. The vine grows. Now, we've been reading through uh, uh, the Old Testament. We uh, have a church reading plan here, and so uh, we've been going through, uh, we read through the Old Testament uh, in two years, and the New Testament every year, so we're doing both old and new. And remember, we just went through this whole process of the judges, right, and Ruth. And so you, the planted part and growing part, that took a while too. That was also a process. It's a nice little summary here, but, the, but it did begin to grow, and we're getting to that point in David's kingdom in our, our reading in 1 Samuel now. So it grows. Next, the vine bears fruit. Let me just remind you, healthy things grow, healthy things produce fruit. Now the next part of this psalm is, is implied that there is a pruning. Why are the walls broken down? Why is Assyria at our door? Why is this happening? Because there is a, a pruning process. The vine is pruned. Now, we know this from the, from the New Testament. Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. And he says, I, I prune them. And then there's one of two things that can happen. Either the vine begins to produce fruit or what? It's burnt. And so that's the reality of this psalm. 
So there's a pruning, and then unfortunately the vine here is burned, verse 12. Hillsborough First Baptist Church is 135 years old, I believe. Which and I were talking about this. Seven? So we're, we're up there. Hillsborough First Baptist Church was planted. Hillsborough First Baptist Church grew. Hillsborough First Baptist Church has produced much fruit. Hillsborough First Baptist Church is being pruned. Will we produce fruit again or? That's part of the process. We pray, we change, and third, we repent. Where's that word coming from? Look again at that word restore. Three times. I love the word restore, but the Hebrew word really is better translated, turn us back. That's a little different. You get the word restore from that, right? Turn us back, restore us to this. But turn us is a word of repentance. And so what the psalmist is really saying is, God, cause us to repent so that we can go back. Now, we have all sorts of different phrases. I don't want to name any of them for wanting to be back in the good old days. And we, anytime we talk about church change, we say, well, let's do this again. Let's do that again. Let's go back to when it was like this and this. These seem to work. The problem with going back is this. If you go back without repenting of however you got to the place that you are, it'll never be successful. In your life, maybe you want to get back with God. Maybe you want that that fire to burn again. And, and you say, man, what do I need to do? To, I need to go back to some of the old routines. Well, it starts with repenting of where you're at now. We need to repent. And so turn us back, God, is a better prayer here. Um, I want to talk real honestly about some shifts that we're trying to make here at Hillsborough First Baptist Church um, and part of that change. Here's the reality. I'm going to share four with you. Two of them are pretty much already in progress. You just don't realize it. The third is a work in progress, and the fourth is coming up. So first, we want to focus more on becoming a family-friendly church. The reality is, as the church grows, we, we designed our programs and our events for the people that were here, which was an older crowd, and that didn't, wasn't very accessible always to the younger families. And so we're making change to make Hillsborough First Baptist Church more family-friendly. That doesn't mean that we're ignoring our seniors or anything like that. In fact, we've started the lunch with the seniors, all sorts of different things that are going on. And the reality is everything that we've done this year, Rich and I have designed as family-friendly. So it already happened, you just, and, you, and you probably didn't even notice it. Okay? Now there's still some things we're working on, but, but for the most part, when people say, well, we can't do that because we say, mm, not going to listen to that. We are doing that because we're being family friendly. Second, adopting the all servants model. This came out of the assessment. I hate that word. I, I wish we could change it to something because it makes no sense. I always have to look it up. What was that again? What did they call that? If you remember the all servants model, they said, look, um, you have people in different places in their spiritual growth. We have lost people. Lost people need to be redeemed. They use the word redeemed. Often I use the word win. We have redeemed people need to uh, be built up in their faith. Uh, people who are being built up in their faith need to be trained how to serve. Um, and so we have a win, build, equip, 
And then people who are equipped, who are doing ministry, need to learn how to multiply other people to win, build, and equip. And then there needs to be administration over that. And what they said in the assessment is that most of our ministries are focused on either build or administration. And they said, you need to make sure that that things that you do are divided among those lines. And you say, what does that look like? And I'm just going to tell you, it's already happened. That change already happened. Uh, Those are happening within leadership and the decisions we make. So look, another change, you don't have to fret. Now, third, transition that we are making. Moving from running programs to building people. Um, If we're going to have people uh, building, uh, uh, equipping, and multiplying, that means more of a focus on building and training and growing. This happens behind the scenes and is a lot more work, but we're working towards that. Uh, It also means um, a focus on shepherding leadership. So one of the things they said in the assessment is that our board had more of a corporate model than a shepherding model. So something that we we talk about at the elder level all the time. And it's causing us to be vision forward, which is our last thing, focusing on long-term growth. Um, You know, when when you are doing ministry, so many times you're just in the present, what needs to be done, and we're not spending enough time planning on long-term growth. So the body meeting that I announced earlier today and said anybody is open to that, the elders have a rough draft of some of the things that we are doing for this vision forward. And we're going to be sharing it at the body meeting. So now that meeting that you said you didn't want to go to, you might want to go to. Um, This isn't the final draft because we want to hear things and we want to work on that. But what we're trying to do is take our vision, our values, and our pathways and make sure everything that we do is aligned. And the reason for that is that we believe that the more things that you have that are simple, clear, and aligned, that is going to equal growth. Um, Or another way of saying it, clarity plus simplicity plus alignment equals scalability, growth. And one of the questions that Rich and I always ask, people come up and they say, we want to do this, we want to do this. One of the questions we ask is, is is it scalable? Can we grow that? And is it sustainable? Does that mean I just have to do it or we're all going to do it together? So those are some things of different ways that we're thinking. And I use the word repent. And some of you are saying, you know what, Dave, I don't think that's fair. I don't feel like I have to repent of anything. And I want to just challenge that with three statements. Just think about this. This isn't on your notes. Just think about it. Sometimes we battle between the kingdom of me and the kingdom of God. Now, if you're honest, we all deal with that every day, okay? So for me, when I have a decision to make, when I'm frustrated, when I have to do something, I have to ask myself, am I fighting against the kingdom of Dave or am I giving into the kingdom of God? And if we're honest, sometimes we all struggle with building our own kingdom, keeping our own little ducks in a row, if, if we could even do that. And so I need to ask, am I being kingdom of God focused? The second thing that we often say when church is talking about change is uh, they look at the pastor and the elders and they say, I am so glad that's not my problem. And you know what? You need to repent of that. Um, we're all in this together. And uh, we need to, uh, to work for that. Uh, the third thing is uh, maybe uh, more specifically, uh, when we talk about change and family-friendly and different things, People say, well, that's not my preference. And so I'm not going to fight it, but I'm not going to help it. Um, and uh, I've ne- nobody's ever said this to me directly, but I've heard it indirectly, where people have just said, 
It's an old church and we're okay with it and we just want to keep it that way. Now, nobody ever says that to me, which I'm glad um, because I would need to have a lot of grace. Um, somebody uh, shared this with me a long time ago. I actually have it in my office, which I probably shouldn't have. I think it's called a Gaelic blessing. This is what I, if your attitude is, um, this is not my problem and I don't want to change, this is the Gaelic blessing. I love this. May those who love us, love us. And those that don't love us, may God turn their hearts. Amen. And if he doesn't turn their hearts, may he turn their ankles so we'll know them by their limping. Uh, (laughs) I understand change is hard, um, but we may need to repent of our attitude in that. So I said we're going to talk about this morning uh, the reality of change, um, uh, then, then what is our responsibility for change, and our responsibility is to pray our responsibility is to change where God is changing us. Our, God, our responsibility is to repent where we need to repent. And then the re- relationship that changes us, which is obviously Jesus. And you might be saying, Dave, this is the Old Testament. This is the Psalm. Jesus, how are you, how are you bringing Jesus in this Psalm? And just back up for a second. Once you see it, Jesus is all over this Psalm. Verse one, give ear what? O shepherd. Jesus says, I am the shepherd. Verse 8, you brought a vine out of Egypt. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus reinterprets that in the New Testament. He says, wait a second, actually, I'm the vine, and you're the branches, you're growing out of me. And then third, there's this reference in verse 15 to the Son. And then he repeats that again, uh, going through 16, 17, and 18, that theme of the sun. There's different interpretations of what the sun is here. uh, And some would say he's just talking to the king. You know, may the king save us. But look at it closely here. In verse 15, he says, uh, And for the sun whom you made strong for yourself, verse 16, They have burned it with fire, they have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let, the, let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man, whom you have made strong for yourself, then we shall not turn back from you. That's very New Testament language. That when our heart is changed, when we have Christ, we have the ability to say no to sin. That there's a change of life that only happens in Jesus Christ. And so what do we see here? We see... Uh, Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the vine. And then Jesus is the son of God. Or in here, using the term from Daniel, the son of man. The only way that we're going to change is if Jesus changes us. In another psalm, the psalmist says it this way, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Well, I don't want to labor in vain. So God build the house. But I also don't want to build the house and have people, I don't want to go in and be putting things up and having other people come and taking it down. That's also counterproductive. So we, we pray for change. We change ourselves. We repent and we want to see God build that change. And here's just a few things from this passage. Change is dependent On God's mercy, look at verse 14. Turn again, O God of hosts, 
look down from heaven and see. What is that? It's a prayer for God's mercy. God, look down at our situation, look down and see and have mercy on us. Change is dependent on God's sovereignty. Verse 15, the stock that your right hand planted. God, you did this. And for the son whom you made strong. God, you are doing this in your sovereign choice. It changes dependent on God's holiness. Look at verse 16. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. Where's God's holiness in there? Look at the picture. Here's destruction that the Assyrians are causing. Here's the problem that's going on. And God, we want you to look your face to look down on that, be angry with it. It's your holiness to shine down on that situation. What can we work on as a church, becoming more like the person of Jesus Christ, his holiness? Verse 17, but let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man who you have made strong. Change only happens through the power of God. And then finally, change is dependent on God's name. I know those things weren't in your notes, but just, just be listening. Then you will not turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call upon your name. What does it mean to call upon God's name? Call upon his character. Call upon his power. Call upon his rule. Change happens through the Son of God. So what's the application and action here? A change as it relates to our church. Pray. Uh, be praying for our church. Be praying for the transitions that we have coming. Be praying for your elders. Be praying for uh, the ministry leaders. Uh, be praying for those outside that God would draw people in to help us in this process of change. Be praying about that. And don't, look, don't be praying, praying God's will, the Lord's prayer, not my will, but your will be done. Sometimes we pray, so, oh God, bring change, but not this change, and not that change, and not this change, and don't make it uncomfortable, and not too loud, and not, <laughs> don't, give, don't give God your list, okay? Just pray that God's will would be done, pray. Now second, if God is making a change in us, and I believe he is, then, then you, need to, you need to roll with it. You need to make that change. What is God asking you to change? What is God asking you to give? We are blessed for a church this size to have two full-time pastors. I just want to say, because we don't see it, um, the youth group is really growing right now. Um, so Rich, Rich has a, a good problem to have. Uh, they've been doing some summer events. We have a 15-passenger van. We have about 17 kids who are regular saying they're coming. And so Rich has had to, on the last couple events, have two vans ready to go to the event. And it just so happens that, you know, we're all the same way, but youth are, are this way. Yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming. And it's like, well, you had 14, so it was one van. We made it. But that's not going to keep happening. We're, we're growing as a youth group. And that is amazing. And so the reason, I, I say all that to say, the reason that this church can have two pastors is because of the generous, generous gifts of people in their estate. Uh, that over the years, I've been here three or four times, we've had estate 
donations where people gave 10% of their estate to the church at the time of their death or a gift to that. And it's the only reason why we can afford two pastors right now. And so uh, if we're going to continue to change, it means giving and sacrificing to make sure that happens. And then finally, pray, change, repent. Is there something that I need to repent of, my attitude, dragging my feet? Now, you know, this is a low ball, but, you know, there's always, when we're talking about change, there's always questions about the music. And uh, don't tell them I I said this, but my dad and stepmom live kind of out by McMinnville in, uh, I can't remember the town now, but they live out by McMinnville. They go to church out there. And they just had a pastoral change. And uh, they went from uh, the guy that uh, retired, who uh, was starting to have some dementia issues, and and the church was really gracious to him in his last month there because he was reading the same page of his sermon a couple of times. And he would say, did I say this again? The church went, no! (laughs) (laughs) So they hired the young guy, and some of the music changed. And of course, you know, some people are upset with that and left the church, as always happens in those transitions. And my stepmom is very sensitive to sound. And uh, uh, she comes to church with not earplugs, like ear, like the airplane ones. (laughs) And they're like, gosh, why don't you just go to another church? And she said, because the word of God is being preached. Wow. Okay, I kind of want to visit one Sunday because I just want the the mental visual picture there that I have. But um, I'm like, yay, family. Um, (laughs) But she's there. She's still going. So maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a a desire you need to give up. But what is it that you need to repent of? But what about in our life? Forget about church change. What about the change that God is doing in your heart? The reality is we all have this kingdom of self that we've been pursuing. And even if you've grown up in the church, it it creeps in. And we start seeking our desires and our way. And remember the, the, the vision of, or the picture of the garden. It is good, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is very good. Here's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there's a, there's a, a, an understanding there that what God is saying is, are you going to believe that what I declared is good is good, or are you going to try to declare good and evil on your own? And we try to go our own way. It's called sin, and we miss the mark. And God said that the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But God loved us so much that he came after us. He delivered us in the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And what it requires is that we repent of our sin and follow Jesus. And so maybe you're here this morning and what you need to do is say, enough of me, I give my life to Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you did that a long time ago and your prayer is for restore. God, restore me. Then you need to repent and you need to follow Jesus. And the amazing thing is, is that God is waiting. God is waiting. He's He's not sitting up there going, I can't wait to punish this person. He's saying, I can't wait for them to repent so I can bring them home because I have so much to bless them with and give them. So maybe God is calling you individually or corporately to repent. Let's pray. God, thanks for this morning. 
Thanks for your love for us. Um, we thank you for the things that you're doing in our church, the opportunities that you're putting before us. We thank you for the people that have been here, uh, some for a very long time, faithful, loving the church, loving the pastors, loving uh, the ministries, and we praise you for them. Lord, we, we recognize that some are, are fearful, and Lord, we pray that you would give us peace. So God, we, we pray as that blessing is, that the Lord would cause his face to shine upon us, that your continence would be upon us, that you would give us peace. We pray for another season of, of healthy vine growth for the glory of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.